Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Spooky Girls, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real-life paranormal and creepy occurrences, from ghost sightings and hauntings, to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends and more. Every week we'll cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts, I'm Katrina. And I am Jasmine. Good evening from Hong Kong. Good morning-ish from the UK. Ha! Oh, another week. Another freaking week. <laughs> Gosh. I don't know about you, but I feel like every week feels longer than the last one. <laughs> like, just a constant string of Mondays mm. is horrifying. God damn. Love being so positive on a Thursday. Anyway, <laughs> what's up with you? Anything anything fun and interesting happening uh, in the land of Katrina? It's so hot in the UK and I want to sob. Yes. Like the fact that I can't have the fan on right now because we're recording. I also apologise if I'm any extra congested because also my hay fever is awful. Um, I was going to say, why don't, why don't you open the conservatory door but then I guess you'll just get face full of pollen yeah and hot air to- <laughs> and then probably a dog barking Aww. yeah the poor even Sweet the poor dogs dick. are just the only moving to go in front of one fan to the other <laughs> yeah time. god i do not i do not begrudge you that i mean i know that houses in england are just they're made to retain heat yeah gosh oh i'm sorry my dear it's okay it's it's like the same temperature there as it is here which is mm. absolutely mind-boggling to be honest, um, yeah, never did like the weather here. One of the worst things about Hong Kong. Especially because you have asthma, so it's never been a very good place for you. That's the thing, like, like when I go back to England, like, my lungs feel clearer, my skin is better, everything is in general better. But, um, but yeah, Hong Kong is where the, where the money is, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but that won't matter for very long because... You know, no. I've saved up a bit and, I, and I'd rather be in a job that pays a bit less than in a job that pays well and be fucking stuck here in the back end of wherever I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, ain't fun, ain't fun. Well, let's cheer you up with a, a scary story. Let's do it. Yay. So what do we have in store today? Just before we begin, we would like to thank our amazing newest patrons, Daniela Diaz and Jana B. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have been speaking to both of them on Instagram and they are lovely, lovely, lovely. And um, we also want to thank everyone who has recently sent us their spooky stories. We promise that we will read them out soon. (laughs) We will. Um, We will do. we, We really, really appreciate it. But yes, I'm very excited for this one. Me too. I am excited to sit back and listen again and Good. make some dumb comments on your hard, hard grafted work, as always. Thank you. Um, so let's get back to it. I'm pumped. Yay. So the story today is about the St. Auburn Street Massacre. Mm. So... This is one of Detroit's oldest and most brutal unsolved murders. And while we don't tend to cover true crime cases, unless there's a clear paranormal or supernatural link, when I first read about this one, 
there were parts of it that were just so creepy and bizarre that I knew we had to do an episode on it. Cannot wait. Like, parts were wild. How do you find these? Honestly, I, I, <laughs> I set out looking for weird stuff and I just worry about what my boss thinks about my browser history. <laughs> you know, I'm like, creepy shit, enter. So my sources for this were onlyinyourstate.com, clickondetroit.com, thelineup.com, and benny.weirdlectures.com, which is an archive of newspaper articles from the time put together by paranormal investigator John E. L. Tenney, which was incredibly helpful. On the quiet summer evening of July the 3rd, 1929, the entire Evangelist household were brutally murdered in their home on St. Auburn Street, Detroit. The bodies of Benny, 43, Santina, 36, and their four children, 8-year-old Angeline, 5-year-old Matthew, 3-year-old Jay, and 18-month-old Mario, were discovered by horrified neighbour and acquaintance of the family, Vincent Elias, the next morning. Vincent, a real estate dealer, through whom Benny had completed arrangements to purchase a farm the day before, had intended to pay him a business call that morning. Instead, he walked into the middle of a massacre. The decapitated body of Benny Evangeliste was found seated at his desk in the study, his hands clasped together as though in prayer, his severed head lying on the floor beside his chair. His wife, Santina, and their four children had been butchered while they slept, each one suffering crushing blows and deep lacerations to the head which were most likely caused by an axe blade. The horrific murders shocked the local community, and when a joint funeral was held for the family two days later, a crowd of over 3,000 people lined the streets to pay their respects. However, not everyone was entirely surprised by the murders. You see... Over the years, Benny had built up quite a reputation for himself as a self-proclaimed prophet, mystic, faith healer, and, arguably, a cult leader. That's a lot of things to put on your resume, good for him. Something which probably garnered him just as many enemies as fans. Benny Evangeliste, born Benjamino Evangelista, in Naples, Italy, first came to the US in 1902 at the age of 19, but it was only two years later when he supposedly began receiving visions from God. It was then that he declared himself a divine prophet, spiritual leader, and mystic healer, and he founded the group the Union Federation of America, based upon the messages God was sending him. Benny also wrote the first volume of what was essentially the group's Bible, titled The Oldest History of the World Discovered by Occult Science, 
This book detailed the history of a Christ-like figure named Miel, an exalted and powerful prophet and representative of God on earth, who, along with two assistant prophets, spread the gospel of God's commandments, obliterated dissension among the people, and won wars for the righteous. There are indications that Benny had planned to pen four volumes of the oldest history of the world in total, but that only the first one had been completed and published at the time of his death, as no others were found in printed form in the Evangelist home. In quite a creepy, but also perhaps a prophetic turn, Benny had written in the preface of the first volume that he intended to complete his work if he lived. So, what exactly did Benny do to become such a polarising local figure? Well, most of it came down to his mystical practices, and specifically, how he made a lot of money from them. Benny charged his sick, needy followers up to $10 per healing session, the equivalent of nearly $160 in today's money, during which he would prescribe herbal medicine and call upon the divine power of the cult to cure whatever physical or spiritual ills afflicted them. In addition to this, Benny also sold purported love potions and hosted seances for people who had missing loved ones or family, as he claimed that he would be able to help locate them. So, as you might imagine, while some of Benny's devout followers swore that his incredible powers helped them in various ways, there were many more people who felt swindled out of their money, and believed that Benny was nothing but a con man and religious fraud. If this alleged exploitation of sick and desperate people wasn't scummy enough, (laughs) police examining the evangelist home found several pieces of women's underwear, each tagged with the name of their owner, which Benny presumably used during his mystical practices and rituals, as well as for God knows what else. God. Mm. Yeah, it was like the police thought that maybe he used them in some sort of, like, quote, voodoo ritual to um, track down missing women. Oh my like, God. that was like, his yeah, excuse. I'm sorry, bruv. Uh, do you have a pair of your wife's pants? He's like, what? Yeah, yeah, I need them for, for my magic. <laughs> I will cast a spell on the pants and it will show me the way. Yeah. That creeped me out so much. That's pretty fucked up. I'm completely not shocked. (laughs) Yeah. At all. So, apparently Benny's wife, Santina, was his most fanatical supporter and was obsessed with his religion, which is the only excuse I can think of as to why she allowed any of what I'm going to describe to you now in her home, because it is truly horrifying. (laughs) God, 
In the small, dingy basement of the evangelist's home, Benny had effectively set up a makeshift church for his religion, including an altar where he conducted his healing rituals and performed sermons for his followers. While this might not sound like anything too strange, the truly awful part was how this church was decorated. To quote from an article in the Detroit Free Press from the day after the murders, eight or ten wax figures, each hideous and grotesque to the extreme, and each presumably representing one of the celestial planets, were suspended on the altar in a circle by wires from the ceiling. Among them was a huge eye, electrically lighted from the inside, which Evangelist referred to in his Bible as the sun. The walls and ceiling of this religious sanctum were lined with light green cloth, which bulged out in places like the walls of a padded cell. In the window of the basement, which was on a line and visible from St. Auburn Avenue, a large card bore the words, Great Celestial Planet Exhibition. These papier-mâché wax figures also apparently ruled over the cult's religious world and were essentially gods in their own right. So, I really don't know how to describe just how horrific these things were, but I'll upload a picture of them to Instagram and I'll show you now, Jasmine. Are you ready? Yes. Open those links that I sent you. I can't wait. I, this this sounds a lot like something I would have made in like a diorama in year four. <laughs> Horrifying fucking thing. Here's the first link. Oh, mm. oh they look like deformed penguins with knobs for noses. Yeah. <gasps> Is that got like, oh, and the legs, these little shiny stubs. I don't like how they're pointy. You so imagine that like all around you in the basement. Ew. Ew. Why does one... It looks like a bird with this... The mm. faces are what annoyed me the most. They all look kind of sort of annoyed to be there. Yeah, it's my actual like, nightmare. Yeah, I mean... My actual nightmare. I am not fond of puppets he, of how any... Did, how did he make them look like they actually have, like they have human faces? I don't know, with but With these he, bulbous noses. He, um, he actually paid, like a company to make them for him. <laughs> they fucked him over big time. <laughs> so Catty sent me two links. Yeah. The second one is of police, <clears throat> police carrying one out of the house. I don't like it. Is it carrying like it looks, oh, it looks like Baby Yoda. It does look like In Baby Yoda, I was just about to say. Oh my God. It's, and um, and it's a, a terrifying... Hasidic gentleman carrying Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, it's like a terrifying puppet with him. Um, with with long hair and a beard, and it's carrying Baby Yoda. Um, do look, they do, they look vaguely anti-Semitic with these <laughs> giant noses. Yeah, they kind of do. Um, they, they give me they they give me very very strong anti-Semite energy. Mm. You poor thing. This must have been really really mentally scarring for you to research. Yeah, that Baby Yoda looks like it's seen better days. So these pictures are all from um, the John E. L. Tenney. His Twitter, actually. So, yes, Ooh. anyway. Um, 
look, yeah, go go to the Instagram right now and have a look at the, the upload for this episode. So also in the basement, um, there were three large photographs of a dead little boy in a coffin. Lovely. Which seemed to be of the fifth child of the Evangelist family, who had died in 1924 when he was a year old. Although Benny supposedly guarded the basement with an almost sacred devotion, neighbours said that he would frequently give religious demonstrations on the street, in which he would gaze towards the sky, waving his arms and muttering incantations. Nice. Me too. So, as I said in the beginning, this case was never solved and the only clues as to the identity of the murderer were two slightly smudged fingerprints which the police insisted were left by them. Even this evidence is doubtful though, as, as was common in the olden days, the crime scene was not protected at all, with many different police officers, coroner's deputies and assistants, and journalists alike, being allowed to just traipse throughout the house as they liked. Oh, dear me. There have been many different theories over the years as to the real identity of the murderer, with the list of suspects ranging from a disgruntled former cult member or client, to a rival cult leader, and even that it was just some random deranged murderous stranger who happened to be roaming the streets of Detroit at the time. Seems likely. The theory that it was a follower or ex-follower of Benny's religious teachings is particularly popular, and was actually supported by the police at the time, as the murders were just so savage and brutal that the killer must have had a personal connection to the family. In addition... Benny himself suffered the same fate as an antagonistic character featured in the first volume of his Bible, who had his head wrenched from his shoulders and hurled at his feet, indicating that the murderer had read the book and was enacting some sort of poetic vengeance based upon it. While this is a compelling theory, and everyone loves a bit of murderous cult-related activity, you know we do. <laughs> there might just be a slightly less sensationalist explanation for the murders, related to Benny's much more mundane day job working as a carpenter. You see, the night before the murders, Benny had made a call to the watchman of a house that was being torn down, telling him that he had purchased all of the salvageable lumber from the wrecking company which was dismantling it, and that he had arranged for the wood to be picked up and delivered to his home the following morning. Benny said that he would meet the delivery truck there, where he would pay them for the lumber. However, the next morning, neither the delivery truck nor the crew showed up at the evangelist home, leading to speculation that it was them who had murdered the family. They would have the tools as well for it, wouldn't they? They knew that Benny would have had to have had a large sum of cash on hand to pay them, yet no money was found in the house or on Benny's body during the police investigation. As a matter of fact, 
the sum which he had had on hand before the murders probably exceeded what he was going to pay for the lumber by several hundred dollars, as Vincent Elias, the estate agent who discovered the bodies, was calling into the evangelist home for a second payment for the farm he had sold Benny the day prior. When police moved to track down the missing crew, they found that the name of the delivery company had never been recorded, and that they had effectively disappeared without a trace. Maybe the whole fucking town were conspiring against them and it was like a group thing. Yeah, and as you pointed out, they would have had axes. Yeah, they would have had axes. It all makes perfect sense, but I I guess because... But no, they had the probable cause right there, but they had no one to charge. Yeah. I'm sure, like, if... I, I think if they had found them, then they would have probably been at least accused if not convicted. The Evangelist house itself was torn down in the mid-1940s, but there are those who say that the land where the family lived is haunted, with reports of a headless man seen wandering the premises, along with disembodied voices and screams. Sadly, Even after 92 years and much speculation, the identity of the person who entered the evangelist home on that warm summer night in 1929 remains unknown, making the murders of Benny Evangelist and his family one of the oldest and most brutal cold cases in Detroit's history. Beautiful work. Now that was a ride from start to finish. God damn. (laughs) Wow, Benny, you fucked up, bro. Yeah. Fucked up. I mean Not to victim shame in any way, (laughs) but like But yeah, victim shame. Benny Benny sort of brought it on himself a little bit. Um Benny, bruv, come on. Yeah. Benny man. Come on, Benny, don't do that. Come on, come on, man. I mean (laughs) but why would you go for the kids though? Like, I, I get know. the guy is a swindler and a fucker, but his wife is clearly just a bit of a, a fangirl, and the kids are just kids. So yeah. it wouldn't make sense for it. I mean, it would make sense for it to be um, the dudes in the van, but but it wouldn't make sense. But no, but it would also make sense for it to be like an ex, ex-believer or something. Yeah. So I feel like the, maybe there was like some kind of It did feel collusion. very personal, but then if it, it was like a group, feel personal. then you don't know if they sort of, I don't know, got carried away with it. Like like know. a I, mob maybe. mentality type thing, and they were yeah. just trying to get rid of any, any witnesses. I um, feel like if it was just for the money, they wouldn't have bothered with the whole religious sort it was of... a, an awful lot of money though as it said it was probably yeah. several hundred dollars plus whatever he was going to pay for the lumber which what yeah. what did we say ten dollars was the equivalent of 160 now like several hundred would be thousands and thousands but but it's it's still it it does sound i think it sounds like if he was very widely disliked Mm. i would not be surprised if there was like and again all that money you can easily split it between a large group of people yeah and it won't be suspicious 
you know it's 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 not like there was randomly some man that was really really rich i think you could easily you know conspire with your fellow townspeople and say right you get the kids i'll get the wife you get the mm. man because yeah i know you're mad and you used to believe all of his crap and then we'll split the money you know five ways or three ways or whatever like i think that's what it cuz because there are too many there are too many people with a, a probable cause and too many parts of it would make sense and i don't think you could kill a family of like six so easily with just one or two people mm. but then i don't i don't know cuz it seems that benny was killed first cuz i'm i'm pretty sure that his study was downstairs and then the wife was sleeping with the youngest the 18 month old in one bed and then the kids were just in another room i feel like what if though they got the wife and the kids first so so that because i think it would take a lot of force to chop off someone's head and to then position the body in that way but before they entered rigor mortis you'd have to do all of that like it would take a, a while to chop off that head unless you were really strong it would take a long time to get it like off and then position it on the floor position the body and then go upstairs and kill it doesn't make sense because normally you would kill the family so that they would not make a noise they could have right? killed him and not decapitated him first until after then mm. killed the rest of the wouldn't family wouldn't it be harder to cut off the head after i wouldn't think so maybe actually no maybe i i mean like won't the tissue bec- i mean not that quickly i guess but i don't know it takes a couple of hours for rigor mortis to set in fair fair yeah, but I feel like the way that the that the kids and the wife were killed indicates like that's a lot sloppier. That's a lot less planned. That's just like someone literally hacked away at them, yeah, mindlessly. Yeah. So I think it was someone going after him. Yeah. Maybe he like pissed pissed the delivery people off when he was speaking to them. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> if you think of yourself, if you th- literally think of yourself as a prophet. Yeah. You're going to be a dick to some people, like definitely. Yeah, people but are I going still, to I, find you obnoxious. I still don't get why they would kill them in that way. I know it would be interesting to maybe read some kind of like forensic. Well, I guess there's no forensic report, but no, like, the a, only forensics they report. had were these were these fingerprints, and that was literally just they take a picture of them and someone attempts to visually visually like match those fingerprints to someone else's yeah <laughs> well it wasn't me give me a hand <laughs> like whew, i'm safe wow like, imagine so we hoped you enjoyed and we would love to have you back for next week's episode Woo-hoo. also can i just say that every time that we say evangelist all i can think of is that one line from drag race yeah yeah, you're perfect. You're beautiful. You look like Benny Evangelist. That's the new one now. <laughs> I'm going to change my meme. You should. <laughs> I'm most exalted. I kind of want to go back now and try and find the shit that he wrote and just mm. marvel at the obscene crap that he wrote. Because I bet, I bet there are some doozies in there. He sounds like an absolutely effed up individual yeah i'm also very aware of how much i swear on this podcast especially after seeing that some nice lady in the states listens to it with her whole family so uh. i'm <laughs> i'm like oh dear 
I'll, I'm going to tailor my entire speech according to this one lady now. No, you're not. Because I'm aware of her poor family. Sorry, kids. Sorry, kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but yes. Yeah, so now let us let us know your theories. Um, who you think the real murderer was? Who done it? Whose fingerprints were there? Let us know on um, Instagram or Twitter. Yes, please. Come chat to us. We're very nice. Sometimes I have my days. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening and we hope to have you back for next week's episode. If you want to get in touch for any reason, just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygalspodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at spookygalspod and on Instagram at spookygalspodcast. If you want to support us further, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygirls and from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky! Goodbye. Bye bye. Nice. Hey.